Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We've got a couple guests for you for the next couple hours. For the first half right now, James Salzman joins us. James is a distinguished professor of environmental law with joint appointments at the UCLA School of Law and the UCSB Bren School of the Environment. And uh, he and his uh, co-author, Michael Heller, who will join us at the half uh, tonight, wrote a book called Mine, How the Hidden Rules of Ownership Control Our Lives. Uh, James, welcome to the program. This is a fascinating subject. It really is, George. Thanks for having us. And when we talk about ownership, what are we talking about exactly? Well, ownership invisibly shapes every day of our lives, every minute. These are the rules that determine who gets what and why. They determine whether you stand at the front of the line or the back, where you live, what you drive, where you park. Hundreds of times a day, we encounter the rules that decide who gets what, but we don't really think about it that way. I mean, it's no coincidence that if you go around the world, in every culture, mine is one of the first words that babies speak, right? You go to playground, and what do you hear? You hear mine. <laughs> mine, yeah. mine, mine. Exactly, exactly. And one of the things we, we, we show folks with this book is that, you know, imagine two kids fighting over a shovel, right? We hear mine, 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 right? But really, they're, they're, in a pl- they're in a storytelling battle. One is saying, I had it first. The other is saying, I'm holding on to it now. And the stories they're telling really are first in time uh, and possessions, possessions nine-tenths of the law. And it turns out that they're just six stories that we use and we've always used and always will use to basically determine who gets what. It's, it's ownership is a storytelling battle. What uh, got you and Michael to put together the book Mine? Well, we both teach property. I do it from the environmental perspective. Michael does it more from the property perspective. And we were big fans of the book Freakonomics. And Freakonomics really is teaching a very simple lesson, which is incentives matter. But he uses very clever stories to do it, right? Why do sumo wrestlers cheat? Why do drug dealers live with their mother? But what Freakonomics does so well is once you start to look for individual incentives, the world makes a lot of sense. And it's the exact same thing. Once you start to look at different ways that we own things, Suddenly things make a lot of sense, uh, whether it's whether you can recline an airplane seat, whether you can share an HBO password. All this comes down to the different ways that we own things. On Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, where the stores just have these massive sales, so many people fight over ownership of things. It's incredible. I mean, they're pulling toys. They're fighting over clothes. It's crazy. It is crazy, and it's, it's deep-wired, right? It's hard-wired. This goes way back in evolutionary history. And one of the things I found so interesting when I started you know, looking for ownership, go back to the Garden of Eden, right? That story is all about ownership, right? So God says to Adam and Eve, you know, uh, welcome to the Garden of Eden. Make yourself at home. Act like, act like it's yours. But you see that tree over there? That's mine. Don't touch. Do not take the fruit. And what do they do? <laughs> they take the fruit, and they know it's not theirs, and in human history starts, and they're literally evicted. James, you just mentioned airplanes. Now, this is one of my pet peeves. I fly a lot, and uh, the pet peeve is the person in front of you who reclines his chair. He has the right to do that, of course, but it seems like he's encroaching on my space, and, you know, he comes all the way back, and it just visually doesn't give you a lot of room. I don't know if we have, if it's natural or not, but it looks like we're cramped. Yes, yeah, so George, this is super interesting, and we use this story to, to open the book because it reveals so much. Um, so it turns out that, uh, you may have seen this yourself, but there are a fair number of fights that actually break out on airlines. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so what's going on, right? So um, 
basically the person in front, they say, I've got the right to recline because I have this button and allows me to recline my seat. The other person, you know, who's trying to work on their laptop and getting it crunched into them is saying, no, 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 this is my space, right? So what's going on? Remember I talked earlier about these six simple stories. Well, one story the person with the recline button is using is what we call the story of attachment, which is it's mine because it's attached to something that I own. The same reason you own minerals under your, uh, under your land. And basically that person is saying, I can recline back. I've got that right. Why else would I have the button? The other person is using the possession story. I possess this space. When you lean into my space, you're trespassing. So here's the thing. There are two things that are really interesting about this. The first is we, we do a lot of public speaking on this, and we'll poll the audience. And uh, it sounds like you believe in the right to re- – and, and actually, actually, I should ask you, do you believe in the right to recline or the right to defend your knees? Which gets you more angry? I, I believe in the right to decline, but I don't think they should because okay. of the poor person okay, in the back. Because you're a polite guy. Yep. So, so here's the yep. thing. When we do surveys, um, we find it splits almost 50-50. And USA Today did a national poll, and they actually found 50-50. And neither side can believe the other doesn't agree with them. And what's going on here is each side is claiming its own story. Um, You're basically claiming the story of attachment, and the folks behind you say you shouldn't recline. They're claiming the story of possession. So that's the first thing that's interesting. The second thing that's really interesting is why is this, why is this happening now? Because you, you may recall, um, you know, it used to be you didn't have these fights breaking out, right? We didn't have to fight. Oh, now everybody's right? tense. It's crazy. Well, it's, it's more than that. So the, who actually owns the seats? It's the airlines, and they're the ones who are creating this. So, so realize what's going on here. First of all, we use the tray table differently. We use it now for basically the, home, the, the entertainment system and to work on the laptop. You know, we used to use it basically just to eat rubber chicken. That's the first thing, so it's more valuable. The second thing, and this is where the airlines come in, they have shrunk the space between seats. It's called pitch. Yep. You see about 32, 33 inches in economy. Now it's 27, 28 inches. Every extra inch they save is enough to put an entirely new row mm-hmm. in the back. So airlines basically are making the space much, uh, much tighter, and the space is more valuable. And that's why the fights are breaking out, because we're basically competing over scarce resources. And they're back now to putting people in the middle seats now. During exactly. COVID, they stopped that. Now they're back again. Absolutely. Think about what happens with the armrest. And so what the airlines are doing, it's a strategy we call deliberate ambiguity. And essentially, when ownership is unclear, right, people, people fight over it. But the thing is, the airlines could solve this very easily. They could simply tell people there's a right to recline. In fact, most airlines have that rule, but they don't tell it. Right. And the reason is they're selling the same space, uh, of uh, same wedge of space twice. Or, or why don't they put in non-reclinable seats? Uh, they could do that, but some people like to recline. It's, you know, it's, it's so basically, you know, why, why replace the seats? And the other thing is no one's blaming the airlines, so why should they? Right? The beauty oh, of this strategy right. is, that the, is that the passengers blame themselves when it's the airlines that have created this problem and profited and probably, you know, as a, as a result, you think, well, heck, I'm going to fly in Economy Plus or in business, so I don't I have to deal with that. It's a, it's a brilliant business strategy for the airlines. Now, you had mentioned Netflix, and you're absolutely right. If you subscribe to Netflix, I think you have the right to, like, pick three or four TV sets, and you could literally give your password and username to somebody in a different house, and they could be using it, too. Yeah, so this is, this is really interesting that we found as well. So HBO, we, we, we're law professors, and we ask our students, how many of you either share or know someone who shares an HBO password? And every single hand in the audience goes up. These are law students, George. This is illegal, right? <laughs> and they're all, 
you know, wildly waving their hands. What's going on? So Netflix and HBO, they know exactly what you're doing. But until recently, both of them have actually encouraged this activity. They don't, they don't tell us, but they encourage it. Why would they, and this is tolerated theft. Why would they possibly think it's okay for someone to take their product? Well, this, the, the, the CEO, a guy called Richard Plepler, a few years ago, was very candid about it. He was the head of HBO. He said, we are in the business of creating video addicts. And essentially, the idea is the more people that share the password, the more buzz you get. That's right. Shows and the more future subscribers. So it's really interesting right now. Well, and the model must work for them, right? Well, well, yes. But here's what's interesting, and your listeners, I think, will pick up on this. Netflix has started to explore whether they should stop this practice, stop this business strategy, and so Netflix is actually running a beta right now. They're running this test to basically remind remind the viewers you shouldn't share your passwords. And they haven't decided yet whether to clamp down or not. HBO still tolerates this. Interesting. Um, the other thing, if you, you know, if your listeners go to Times Square, you know, you can pick up a really sweet Rolex for about ten bucks. Right? Obviously, it's not. It's not a real it's Rolex. Not, it's not real. It's a phony no. one, right? And you would think Rolex would hate this, and they they, they public pro, publicly protest against it. But there are a lot of business studies that actually show that forty percent of the folks who are buying the, the those fake Rolexes, they go on to buy the real thing, right? And essentially, what they're doing is they're using the fake the fake market. To build brand, uh, brand loyalty, uh, and the idea is, wouldn't it be great to have a real one later down the road? That's fascinating. It really is. But when we're kids at that young age, mine, 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 what makes us think everything's our possession? Well, we're hardwired to to to, to be that way, right? I mean, think about it. You know, when we came down from the trees, right? And you know, when we're living in an, in, a, in an environment with scarce resources. Uh, if, if if I don't get it, you will, right? And it, 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 it really is hardwired. For instance, you know, if spring is coming around the country. You walk around and you hear the beautiful birds chirping. You know, they're not. This is not a Disney film. Right? They're not saying what a lovely morning. If you could hear, what, if you could translate what they were saying, you would hear them saying, "Hey, buddy, this is my territory. Back off." Right? That's basically what they're saying. They're marking their territory. We do the same things, right? With the with the jacket on the back of a chair or the towel. Uh, on the beach. This is something, you know, it's, it's basically, it's a secret language that we all speak. And, and just think for a moment, and I think your listeners would, might enjoy this as well, think about all the sayings that we have for ownership. There are a lot, right? Possession is nine-tenths of the law. Finders keepers. First come, first serve. My home is my castle. This is how we're habituated from a very young age to realize what it is to own things. And if we don't have these rules of ownership, we're going to basically kill ourselves a lot more than we, we otherwise would because of fights over ownership. It's really remarkable, actually, that we can go in a, in a day and keep our stuff. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.